Welcome to yet another great Friday afternoon. I'm Dan Van Zalen. This is Speaking for Him with your host, Andrew Gominson. Hello, Dan. Good afternoon, and I'm, it's great to be with you. Uh, we are going back to the movies. I know uh, for most of us, we are, at least in the Midwest, we are stuck in that time of year uh, where there is winter snow, um, most likely clogging up the plans for people for weekends. Uh, of course, this is per, this is recorded ahead of time, so I don't know how bad it actually will be by the time you're hearing this. But I like to put out uh, movie reviews from time to time, and so today I'm going to do that. And we're going to be talking about a movie called Let There Be Light. And this movie stars Kevin Sorbo. And it's actually kind of interesting because it stars Kevin Sorbo his wife, Sam Sorbo, and his two children play his kids in the movie. So it's a, a family affair, and um, Sam Sorbo, his wife, is one of the writers. So that makes it even more interesting. And we're going to dig into this um, by looking at different facets of the film. But first of all, Dan, could you read our quote of the day? Sure. Fatherhood has been under attack for decades. The number of children growing up in broken homes has exploded. The minority fatherless rate was 20% in the 1960s. It is 80% today. That is a direct reflection on the anger, violence, and all this hatred we see in society today. Kevin Sorbo on the fatherhood ephesus of the film. Okay, and I know that that would probably um, raise some ire of certain individuals or certain groups out there today. But there's a lot of truth to what he says, you know. And I really think that it's interesting that even though the theme of the film uh, was atheism versus, you know, God being in control and and Christ being what matters, uh, I think it's interesting that that was a good subplot um, to begin on. So as we start this review, let's take a listen to the trailer for Let There Be Light. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. You're drunk? Oh, you can't pull the wool over your eyes. The basic tenet of Christianity. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you dare tell me about the love and the compassion of your so-called God. What do you think it does to the boys to take the death of their brother and use it as part of your carnival act? Pays the bills. Clinically dead in the ambulance for four minutes. It's a miracle. I saw Davy. Well, all I wanted to do was just, I wanted to put my arms around him. I, I don't know what to do with it. You've gotten the best scientific explanation. It hasn't brought you any comfort. Would you consider consulting a different source? Doc, he is your God, and he's holding out his hand to you. All you got to do now is take it. Jesus gets whacked, right? I've never exactly heard it put that way, but yeah. Follow me here. This ain't brain surgery. Do you believe that God hears? God always answers prayers. Sometimes we just don't understand the answers. This better be good. That's what I said. I don't want to lose you. Uh, uh, uh. 
So my first question is, are you guys ready for the amount of heat that'll be coming your way with this? All right, and there you have a trailer for Let There Be Light. Um, so, Dan, I believe that you have some questions to help facilitate our discussion. Indeed, I do. So, along the movie synopsis and general thoughts idea, what are some of the positive things about this movie? Well, I kind of described the movie synopsis as we were beginning, but basically it's about an atheist who is angry and bitter at bitter at God, ironically, for taking his, his son of can, um, from cancer when he was like a nine-year-old kid. Yeah. And he, he starts out on an, in a debate with a Christian um, uh, and talking about God and trying to disprove God. Um, I believe the, the book that he had written, the character had written, was called Aborting God. And... You know, it's interesting. Some people may say, well, you're just stereotyping atheists if you're saying that they would become atheists because of a hatred of God. But I just have to say that there is a lot of truth to it because whenever I see these stories on Facebook about miracles that happen, like I saw one recently about a girl who had a tumor and they they went to treat it and it had disappeared and they really couldn't explain it. So um, the parents said they were grateful for a miracle. And I can't tell you the number of comments that I saw in that art in the on the article on Facebook where they were saying, "Well, if God was so good, why doesn't He heal everybody? Or how can this be a miracle when other people die? You know, mm-hmm. what kind of God is that kind of discriminatory?" <laughs> and so you can definitely see where. Um, People can choose to say they're atheists out of a hatred for God, but in a sense, they're not atheists because you can't really hate a, a, a person or an entity that doesn't exist. I mean, I, you know, you can't. There's no way that you can hate the tooth fairy because the tooth fairy is not real. Indeed. So, um, hating God when He's not real just seems counterintuitive. Which used um, to be the point of the last Kevin Sorbo movie I heard about God's well, not dead. <laughs> yeah, and and a lot of a lot of times people say, well, that could be similar, and it was it was similar. I will give it that. Um, but I definitely thought that it was very interesting because in this case, the guy's a family man, and like we talked about in the quote of the day, you know, he's he's dealing with um, the fact that he's a father. And his kids are in the church. His kids are loving God. And his son, you know, wants to go on a mission trip. And he said, he said, why should I support that church? You know, I don't believe in the church. And he said, I'm not asking you to believe in the church. I'm asking you to believe in me. And Uh so I thought that was significant because that's what kids really need is their parents to believe in them. Do you have some other questions? Sure. Now, for the opposite side of the angle, what's the negative? Well, the negative is definitely, like you said, there were definitely parts of it that seemed like a retread of a the aforementioned God's Not Dead film. Um, I think that there, um, there's always a little bit of these quality things um, mm-hmm. that are the, these technical things that could be better on these films, which I think 
there are certain people in Hollywood like the Kendrick, Kendrick brothers that are really trying to raise that level. Um, but I definitely think it would be like totally awesome if, um, Steven Spielberg or uh, Mel Gibson or one of these other people. And I know Mel Gibson did the passion of the Christ, but you know, if they became more for those that may have faith, if they became more serious about their faith or if they, are not people of faith yet if they would become people of faith so that these directors who have produced high quality films, like, can you imagine if Peter Jackson directed a Christian epic, you know, because, because the level of expertise that they have in those fields would just bring it to another level and, and make it uh, be taken seriously. I have a friend, Kevin McCreary, who, um, does the, does the outro for the, for my show actually. Hi, Kevin. But, uh, he, um, has a YouTube channel with the express purpose of critiquing Christian films, basically because he wants to see them held to the same standard of, um, other films. And while I, while he knows I don't always appreciate his criticisms, I do appreciate what he's trying to, accomplish. And Mm. so I guess what I'm saying is if we can get the right people with the right resources behind Christian films, that would be an awesome step forward for Christian cinema. And to be fair to a lot of the big name directors, the film industry is just that an industry. It's a business. And if the backers don't think that people want to see Christian films, they're not going to pay for it. Well, and that's exactly why we need to be supporting films like this. And so that's why I always bring them to the attention of the uh, a podcast audience when possible. And, yep. you know, hopefully, you know, there's a new um, the Kendrick Brothers film coming out in 2019. Hopefully Dan and I can actually watch that around, together or around the same time when it's out in theaters so that we can yeah, get it out nice. when it's still relevant in theaters to encourage you to go see it. Um, so look for that um, in August of 2019, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, let's not get too far ahead. Go on. All right, then. For another positive note, who or what, if it happens to be what, is your favorite character or characters, as the case may be? Well, I, I think I really like the mom in this film uh, portrayed by uh, Sam Sorbo. Mm-hmm. I believe her her name in the film is Katie. And I just like the fact that, that she divorced her husband because she couldn't live with his atheism and his alcoholism, but she never abandons him and she cares about him. And even when, even when he goes, um, on this quote unquote comeback tour or a comeback appearance to talk about what happened to him when he had his, his accident because he drove drunk, had an accident and saw a vision of his dead son who told him, uh, who said to let there be light, which is where the title of the film comes through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so she's there at this thing where he's supposed to talk about it, even though at the time he's still an avowed atheist, he's still bitter against her and against everything. God, she doesn't abandon him and she comes over. And there's one point where she holds him while he falls asleep because he's having a hard time sleeping and so she loves him unconditionally, basically. And then when he comes to Jesus, when he gets to know God, um, she's prepared to um, 
gradually over time reconcile with him and toward the end of the, or toward probably two thirds of the way into the film, they actually reconcile their marriage and get remarried. Um, so it was refreshing because a lot of times when I hear about people getting divorced, it seems like their mind is already on who is my next relationship going to be with. So they don't leave room for reconciliation because it's all about um, how can I be happy? And I see that on Facebook, too, where they all have these memes that say, don't care about what anybody else says about you or thinks about you. Just do what makes you happy. And I understand the motivation behind behind having that. Mm -hmm. But I also, if you break it down to its bare bones, that's a really dangerous philosophy. Because happiness can be the result of doing things that God wants us to. But if we make it our goal, we can be very disenfranchised and it's oh, not yeah. going to lead to some very good things. Um, like you said, happiness is fleeting. Absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me, one of my coworkers is now five years divorced. You know, and he still, his wife's uh, bad points, I guess you were, still get under his skin really bad. Um, but, you know, he's not closed off to the idea of reconciliation. He just doesn't think it's going to happen. And that is the problem is that it does, I under, it does take two. It's not something that can, can happen overnight or easily. Nope. Um, but, um, it definitely, uh, takes prayer and, and definitely takes willingness on the part of, of, both, both parties, parties yeah. to happen, but I just think it's really neat how how her focus wasn't just on what's the next relationship. Oh, yes. Yep. So now for the flip side, who or what is your least favorite character? Okay, so there was a really smarmy guy who was his agent, and I wish I remembered his name. Um, I Let me see if I can – Maybe pull it up here. Smarmy McSmarmy. Uh, well, we could call him that if we, if I can't find his name, that's what we'll call him. Yep. But um, let me see here. I do think the last question of that trailer that Sean Hannity asks is kind of to the point for the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Are you okay. prepared for reactions to this movie? So I can't find. I can't find the name of that character, but he was just, he was all in as long as Saul was an atheist and selling his atheist book and getting people to buy it and getting people excited about living only for themselves. But when it came to his change, like he uh, had procured this big interview exclusive uh -huh. for him to talk about coming back from the accident. And then he decided to tell the truth about how God gave him a vision of his son and, and, changed his life and he gave his life to Jesus and then the agent got mad and fired him. He said, you're, you're, you're fired from being represented by me. So, <laughs> which Sounds I'm sure, like another person who hates God, which I'm sure he was glad about, but, but it was interesting how that happened. Yep. And then you mentioned Sean Hannity. One thing that I thought was interesting is how powerful the gospel message is in here. Um, uh, and that Sean Hannity was partnered with it. 
Uh-huh. Um, it was so refreshing to see because I know um, he identifies as Catholic, but this was a pretty bold statement of faith to be involved in this film. So I thought that was neat. Um, well, and Fox let them, their yeah, corporation, be involved too. They did. They did. They they identified it as as Fox, um, which is significant considering the fact that if you've ever watched the television program NCIS, uh-huh. the television network that they always have on in the in the in the NCIS squad room is ZNN. Yeah, because they're not because they to won't do use that. cable. They won't use CNN. Cable News Network, so they had to come up with ZNN. I don't think they've ever said what the Z stands for, but no, I don't think so. But it's just interesting. It's mod. It looks like the CNN logo, but it's ZNN. Yeah. So it's very significant that Fox allowed their actual logo in the film, and actually yep. kind of exciting. Yeah, that is that is pretty interesting, and that is something that is unusual. So. On to the next thing. Hooray. What do you think is the biggest lesson you took away from the film? I think the biggest lesson that I took away from the film is that you never know when God's going to change someone. If you, This kind of reminds me of a certain Bible character by the name of Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that most people thought that he was so zealous against Christians that he would never – um, become one. As a matter of fact, when he came to the Christians and wanted to meet with them, they didn't want to have anything to do with him. And they're he, just about ready to run away. He actually had um, Barnabas was willing to come and give him. I think it's even termed in the Bible somewhere the right hand of fellowship, meaning that he came alongside Paul and said, "No, Paul's the real deal. Mm-hmm. I I've talked to him. I believe he's the real deal. You need to." Trust him, and it took them a while to realize that he was the real deal. And he would become a teacher and a preacher to many of them, but it took a while for them to realize that, hey, this guy wasn't just trying to infiltrate them as a secret spy. He really yeah, he wasn't was, trying to backstab you. So, very. To be fair, that was a concern for them. No, the I really and, and it was like, I mean, that's the thing. It was a legitimate concern. And, and that brings me to another interesting part of the film. Which is the, the Christian guy that debated him um, didn't believe it. They interviewed him on the news afterwards, and he's like, "This is just a publicity stunt." Um, he's probably not really a believer. I would have liked to see him them get back together and see that he could see how genuine he was. Yeah. And then the pastor in the film uh, was very much like his fictional counterpart. Oh, yeah. Um I will I won't say anything more because I don't want to spoil everything in this review but um, <laughs> they very much based the the fictional pastor Vinny on the actual guy who played him. Oh interesting. So there's a lot of interesting little things about this film. All right. Well then. Then to the next point, how do you rate this film? On a scale okay. of 1 to 5. Now I like to do this. But it doesn't mean that it's easy to do. Um, no. And um, so, like I said, I had a little bit of problems with the acting. I don't think the Sorbos kids were necessarily the best actors. I mean, obviously, in a sense, they were kind of playing themselves because they were playing their parents' children. Yes. Uh, but you could definitely tell that there was a little bit of stilted as far as memorizing your lines and saying them versus versus actually 
feeling them. To be so, fair, it is very hard for kids to be good actors. No, it is. I I will I I will say that, and I'm glad that you're here to balance to balance my opinions out here. It's part <laughs> of your job. Um, but I'm going to give this a solid three and a half out of five. Um, I think it I think it's very well worth watching. Um, I think there's a lot of discussion points that can be had, and like I said, the the sub the subplot of the importance of him as a father. Um, is so important and comes out loud and clear because one of the things his wife says is that he uses the death of his son as a main exploitation of his views as an atheist. Mm-hmm. So she says, what do you think it does to your children when you talk about their brother that way? Yep. And, and at first he's like, um, no, you know, it doesn't phase him at all. And there's a point Pays at which the bills. And there's a point at which he's he's drinking two alcoholic drinks at once, double fisting it. Okay, so you know he really had to come a long way to get to where he was at the end of the film. But again, I think it was very um, very powerful story, and I hope that people can get out and watch it or stream it. As of this recording, it's available on Amazon Prime. I don't know how long that will be, but you should be able to also pick it up on DVD anywhere DVDs are sold. Amazon is also selling it for about 20 bucks as a Blu-ray. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for that information as well. We will try to have um, a link to where you can purchase the DVD when we post this on the blog. So I think that's all I have time for this week, but I hope that you'll continue to listen and I hope that you will have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.